So for the next four weeks here at Cornerstone, we're going to explore Isaiah 9-6. And the four names given in Isaiah 9-6 for the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. So this morning I'm going to reflect on Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Next week, Pastor Danny is going to reflect on the, ever, I mean, the Almighty God as a name for the Messiah. I'll be back the week after that to talk about how the Messiah is our everlasting Father. And then as you heard, we don't, have, we don't get beef it for the two weeks around the holidays, so we'll be off for the 23rd, but then when we get back together at Symphony on Sunday afternoon, that first week of the, or that week in between, then Janet Lee is going to talk about how Jesus Christ is our Prince of Peace. So this morning, I want to reflect with you on wisdom and wonder. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. As a counselor, he gives us wisdom. As the wonderful counselor, he invites us to wonder. And at Christmas, in the culture all around us, there is this kind of hunger or desire for some kind of wonder. Even the cynics and the curmudgeons and the Grinches kind of hope that somewhere, somehow, there's going to be some kind of little glimpse of wonder. And in our culture, we look for it from Amazon.com and from Apple and from Samsung and with the newest game or with, with some kind of new activity or travel or maybe with family or maybe with friends. And throughout our, throughout our culture, there is this search for something that has to do with some spark of wonder. And that makes sense because there is deeply embedded within us as human beings an innate capacity for wonder. So in light of the fact that the promised Messiah would be our wonderful counselor, the Messiah would come to, re, to forgive, to, to restore and redeem, and to, to bring into fullness the world that God wanted to create, that, wonderful, that Messiah would be our wonderful counselor. So I meditated on wonder some this last week. What does wonder do for our souls? And it's easy to wonder at new things, but what happens when we grow up and there aren't as many new things? We think of the wonder years for children. Is there still wonder in some way after the wonder years? And how do we find wonder? Because it seems that wonder, kind of like joy, wonder isn't something that we go out and we look for, and because we looked for it, we got it. Sort of like joy, wonder seems to be a byproduct of something else. So what is it that we open ourselves to in order that we might be surprised by the byproduct of wonder? And then I just started thinking about what evokes wonder within me? And I don't know what evokes wonder in you, but, um, but there are a few pictures here. Um, nature evokes wonder in me. There's going to be one of mountains. And when I'm in those kinds of settings, something bigger than me is going on, and I respond. Um, this is a sunset from a retreat center where Marla and I were at this last summer. Um, fall leaves, I mean, lots of you guys took gorgeous pictures of the, the colors this fall around Boston. And um, for me, many of you know, the full moon evokes wonder. Um, on the left was the full moon when the pastors were on a camping trip um, on Cape Cod in August or September. And on the right is, that's actually taken from 
Mario's in my bedroom at Rio Maggiore in um, the Cinque Terre in, um, in Italy this last spring. Nature evokes wonder in me. Maybe it's because I'm a grandchild or a grandfather, but babies, yeah, I'm a grandchild too. I am a grandchild, come on. <laughs> babies evoke wonder for me. So take a look at this one, right? And this one, it's more wonderful than you know. This is Josiane. She was born eight weeks prematurely at three pounds, 14 ounces. And so this is what she was in the hospital all hooked up as a preemie. And then when we think of this to the next slide again, to that, isn't that wonderful? I mean, there's wonder in who she is and then wonder in what God did to bring her to us. Um, children evoke wonder in me. And so I went to our, our website and, um, and our children's ministry website and just look at their eyes, right? Wide-eyed wonder. Children evoke, and this, last, this next one I actually picked out just for the fun of it. These are my two daughters when they were little, decorating the Christmas tree. And, um, and children, don't they? We watch children, and if we, if we stop long enough and just watch them, something happens inside of us. Weddings evoke wonder. We've had a lot of them this, this year. This is my daughter. Um, many of you saw this picture before at her wedding in Tuscany. And then new life evokes wonder, right? So this picture is actually the first picture of our next grandchild who would be born to Mike and Sarah next June. Life, newness of life evokes wonder. Love, beauty, honor. There's so much. Worship in spirit and truth evokes wonder, doesn't it? Baptisms and the stories that we heard like this of God pursuing us till we finally said yes to him evoke wonder. I don't know about you, but compassionate justice in the world, going, standing against evil and for mercy and justice evokes wonder in me. Wonder is this amazement and astonishment and awe and admiration. It has depth. It can penetrate to our hearts. It can leave us. It doesn't have to, but it can leave us as better people. It can nurture humility in our souls. It can draw us together. This whole wonder thing can nourish us in ways that are beyond words, which is interesting because that's what we usually feel, right? We can't find the words for it. Because if we found the words, then we would somehow have mastered it or fit it inside of us into our control, and it wouldn't quite be wonder. But as I said before, while it can be very good for our souls, we can't dig down deep and draw up wonder by, by our willpower and our determination. Wonder's a byproduct of something else. And the word that is used to describe Jesus as our wonderful counselor, the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, is a word that describes things that are distinct, things that are different, things that are lofty, things that are outside of us and not within us. Which is an interesting thing because in our culture so many people think that they're supposed to drum up some kind of wonder outside from inside of them. They're supposed to drum up this wonder at Christmas. And if they can't, then they want some Apple product to do that for us. But wonder comes not from self-absorption. Have you ever noticed that the people who are most filled with wonder are the most selfless people we know? Because when we're absorbed in self, we can't see what is lofty and high up 
and great and admirable that is outside of us. So in the scriptures, we find that God is a God who wonders and a God of wonder. And it starts in the Garden of Eden, the creation. God just creates, each day of creation, he creates, and then he backs up and he surveys what he's created, and he says, that's lit. <laughs> that is very lit. I'm pretty sure that's when he decided he was going to create Instagram, but I'm not sure. And God wonders at his creation, which is why, created in his image, we have an innate capacity and longing to wonder because that's a godness within us as human beings. But then God goes on and he does great wonders for his people. He frees his people from slavery. And God still frees his people from slavery. He leads his people with the wonder of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And God still leads his people. He gives them water from the rock so their thirst can be satisfied. And God still does those wonders for our souls. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, has any God ever worked such wonders as our God has worked for his people? Psalm 40 verse 5, many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount. Were I to tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Psalm 77, you are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. In Psalm 89, the heavens praise your wonders. Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like you? Our God is a God who wonders. He's the original wonderer. He's a God who wonders and a God who does great wonders. And then we come to Christ in the New Testament. And, and Jesus Christ evokes wonder, starting even when his birth is announced. Even before that, I mean, Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 3.16, he says, the mystery of godliness is great. And he talks about how God, because of his affection for us, Jesus was willing to leave the heavenly courts and become one of us. Not just become like us, but to become one of us to live with us and to live for us so that he could die for us, so that he could resurrect for us, so that we might one day be more like him. Wonder of wonders is the incarnation. And so it's no wonder that at his birth, the angels can't hold back their wonder, neither can the wise men or the shepherds or anyone who heard about him. And then we, we look at Jesus through the gospels and his teaching evokes wonder and it still does today. When we listen carefully to Jesus in the gospel, we're kind of amazed by what he teaches. His contemporary said, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel before. Jesus evokes wonder whenever we create space for him in our lives. So like Angie and Ashley, they create space for Jesus. And Jesus evokes wonder and we commit our lives to follow him. Even on the cross, as Jesus says, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, the Roman centurion looks at that and is amazed and he says, surely this must be the Son of God. But as incredible as all of that is, the incarnation, the greatest wonder of wonders, is it not, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from
from the dead. And here's what is kind of amazing about that when you think about it longer. The scriptures say the same power that God used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is within us, his followers, so that those things that have died in us can be resurrected so that we can live in newness of life. So there's a woman by the name of Audrey Meyer, um, never intended to write um, a Christmas song, but one Christmas in 1955, which was actually the year I was born, one Christmas um, after the children's Christmas pageant, the pastor stood up and he said, his name is wonderful. And Audrey wrote down in her Bible inside the cover, his name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. And then over the next couple days, she wrote the rest of the lyrics. And this is a song that I actually sang growing up um, constantly in our household. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty king, master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. The almighty God is he. Bow down before him. Love and adore him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus is the source and fountain of the greatest wonder for our souls. But we read of the Messiah that he would not just be wonderful, but he is a wonderful counselor. So not only did I reflect on wonder this week, but I also reflected on wisdom because that's one of the things that counselors bring us. And as counselor, um, the word that's used here in Isaiah 9, 6 is, is the counselor in the sense that we think of going to someone who will help us, but also counselor in the, in the legal sense because as counselor, this word also means that he is our advocate. And so, um, so work with me a little bit. What do you hope for if you were to go to a wonderful counselor, you hear someone is a wonderful counselor, what do you hope to receive when you meet with them? First thing I hope for is I don't, I don't want to show up with a, a counselor, have them start giving me advice before they, they know me at all. So the first thing I hope for is that they will listen. They will come to know me. They will understand me. They will reflect back so that I can understand and see what my life looks like from outside of my little kind of, kind of prison of my own thoughts. A wonderful counselor gets to know us and he listens to us. And you know what? Jesus was there when you were created. He was there when you were being knit together in your mother's womb. Jesus knows who you were created to be in his name. He knows all the good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. You will never find a more wonderful counselor who knows you and understands you than Jesus Christ. Second thing I hope for in a wonderful counselor is I hope to get wisdom and insight, right? Because my life is too trapped inside of my own thinking. And a wonderful counselor is going to give me perspectives. He's going to align my life or she's going to line up my life with truth and with reality and not just the woundedness from my experiences. Isaiah 11 says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on the Messiah, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. Isaiah 28 says that the Messiah will be wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. 
So Colossians 2 says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Brothers and sisters, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus has the wisdom we need, the insight that we need for everything that we will ever face in our lives. So when, when Jesus was talking with the disciples at one point, Jesus said, do you believe me? Where you, many people were leaving um, Jesus. And we hear this from, the, from Simon Peter. Simon says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Anything that you're facing now, any time for your entire life, Jesus has the wisdom and insight that you need to walk through it. Thirdly, I hope a counselor is going to advocate for me. There are times when I can't speak up for myself, when I just don't, I don't have enough a grip on myself. And we know of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 7. We read, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is always advocating for you and for your fullness of life, for your healing and your restoration and your power and your influence. And in the end of it all, I really hope that if, if it's a wonderful counselor, I really hope that counselor will love me. Now, professional counselors are trained to kind of keep an emotional distance from their clients, but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus enters into our lives and all the messiness of it. Jesus comes to be with us and is willing to so identify with us that he will take on our sins and our brokenness and die for us. Greater love has no man than this, Jesus said, than that he lay, lay down his life for his friends. In Jesus, we have a wonderful counselor who listens to our souls, who is wise, who always is advocating for us, and who loves us completely and perfectly, which is why I actually try to meet with my wonderful counselor every day of my life. I actually try to meet with Jesus every single day of my life. It might be just two minutes of just kind of getting, getting quiet and trying to kind of change my focus. Maybe it's five minutes of, of maybe some intercessory prayer, or maybe it's 10 minutes of reading some scripture, reflecting on it and asking the spirit what he wants to say, or maybe it's 30 minutes of me sharing my confusion and, and, and the struggles that I'm going through, or maybe it's an hour of waiting on the Lord so that I can new, renew my strength. I try to meet with my counselor every day of my life. When I'm, when I'm lonely, I come to him for, for friendship. When I'm broken, I come for him to be with me and to heal me. When I'm doing perfectly fine, I come to him for direction in my life. I try to meet with my counselor every day of my life. And that's the first challenge I want to give you today. Would you commit to meet with Jesus, your wonderful counselor, every day of Advent this year? And you realize that's just a trick, right? Because the goal is if you will meet with Jesus every day of Advent, the goal is that you will commit to meet with Jesus every day for the rest of your life. There's no one who will understand you better. There's no one who will advocate for you more. There's no one who has greater wisdom for your life. And there's no one who will love you as perfectly and as completely. I can live my life without Jesus. I can go through a day without connecting with my counselor, 
but why would I? Why would I miss out on the wisdom and the life and the perspective that he has for me if I will meet with him? So my first challenge for you this morning is would you commit to meet with Jesus as your wonderful counselor every day of Advent this year with a goal to then extend that commitment to meet with Jesus as your wonderful counselor every day for the rest of your life? What I'd like to do is I'm going to change up our rhythm a little bit. And, and so I want to celebrate communion here now with you. And then I'll come back and give you the, the last challenge or last point of the sermon. But the reason I want to do that is because I want to actually give a space for you to come and meet with Jesus at the table of communion so that you can receive from him wonder and wisdom. And then after communion, I'll come back and I'll just give you one more challenge from this passage. So I'd like to ask the communion servers if they would come forward now. Because Jesus is our wonderful counselor, we can become wonder-filled counselors for others in our lives. And so the first challenge that I want to leave you with is to meet with your wonderful counselor every day of Advent and try to meet with him every day for the rest of your lives. Part of that reason, certainly for what you will receive from our wonderful counselor, but the other reason is so that you will become a wonder-filled counselor to do everything that the Messiah does for us, that you would do that for others. So wonder-filled counselors, listen to and get to know and seek to understand the other people in their lives. You have people in your life right now who are just aching for someone to ask them how they're really doing. In your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, where you go for coffee, at your gym. There are many, many people just longing that someone will care enough to ask, how are you really doing? And then stay long enough to listen. Wonder-filled counselors share the wisdom and insights that they've received with others. It's not your wisdom. It's not like you have to be the smartest person in the world and you have to come up with all the problems for everybody, all the solutions for everybody's problems. We proclaim Christ. And the wisdom that we ourselves receive and the insight when we, that we receive because we've met with our wonderful counselor, we then share with others. There are people in your life this Christmas who are confused, who are struggling, who don't know how to find their way out of the mind traps or the, the traps of the culture around us. And as wonder-filled counselors, because the wonderful counselor is within us, we can share the wisdom that we ourselves receive with others. Wonder-filled counselors advocate for others. They step in when somebody's not being heard. They find the people who don't have a voice. They speak up for the least and the last and the lost. As wonder-filled counselors following our wonderful counselor, look for some place this Advent where you can speak for people who don't have a voice, where you can become their champion like Jesus constantly intercedes for you. And wonder-filled counselors love selflessly the same way that they have loved. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. 
So the same things that we receive from Jesus, our wonderful counselor, we are invited to give away at Christmas and every day for the rest of our lives to be wonder-filled counselors for others. I noticed this week, or just in thinking about this, I realized I am most filled with wonder when I am most filled with love. When I'm filled with myself, my wonder flattens out. But the more I love others, the more I am amazed at the glory of God in others, the more I am amazed at, at who they are and who they are becoming. And the more I love God, the more I'm filled with wonder when I am around children and when I'm in nature. If we truly long for wonder that is good for our souls, let's love our God who is a God of wonder. Let's love Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And let's love one another and the world so much that we are surprised by great amazement and wonder in our lives. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will rest upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This Advent, will you do two things? Seek to meet with your wonderful counselor every day this Advent. And then seek to be a wonder-filled counselor for someone every day this Advent and then for the rest of your lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, how can we not be amazed? Well, the way that we cannot be amazed is we can be too busy or too distracted or too preoccupied or too self-focused. But when we see you clearly, we cannot help but be amazed. And when we're amazed at you, we become amazed at so much else in the world because we are surprised by wonder and we are recipients of wisdom. Would you allow us, enable us, let us meet with you so much, Lord Jesus, that we are filled with wonder and wisdom from you and so that we become even more generous and grateful and committed to give wonder and wisdom to everyone in our lives, starting with our families and with our friends and then extending to the least and the lost so that your work continues on the face of the earth through your body, we your hands and your feet and your voice and your heart. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.